Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt and Braden here, so good to be with you today, and uh, we're excited. We got uh, we got a rock star with us today. <laughs> Mike Novotny is uh, his eyebrow were just raised when we said that. You can't see that, but he is, uh, whether he admits it or not. <laughs> he's laughing at us. Yeah, he's a he's a humble rock star. But yeah. um, anyways, Mike, he, <laughs> shaking your head. We got he, he's got he's had such a tremendous impact in the kingdom, and uh, and just a humble guy. And so we're excited to chat. He's a pastor at the Core in Wisconsin. And uh, he's the, he's a speaker and leader for Time of Grace, which is a large media ministry, and uh, they got millions of people following them every month, and tons of resources out there. And so you can look up Time of Grace for sure. And he's he also spent ten years as chairman of Conquerors Through Christ, which helps people reject, resist, and recover from porn use. And so spent a lot of time helping people with pornography, writing about sex, lots of books, and and uh, just a lot of expertise in this area. And so personally. Mike, I know you're you're married 18 years. You got two girls, 12, 13 years old. That you're hanging on to that emotional bond, that cuddle time. That you want for the just, teen years uh, kick in, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. You want them to be close. <laughs> so, anyways, it's good to be with you, Mike. Thanks so much for having me, guys. So, Mike, there's so many ways we could chat today with you, and that's great. Uh, but we're one area that we wanted to focus on uh, specifically was uh, in, in areas of abuse. And the reason why is, I mean, we've been seeing this a lot. Hey, Matt, like uh, anybody that's struggling with porn or any, anything else, we're crossing this more and more that people have this as part of their story and part of their past. And so with you, Mike, today, we just wanted to chat about if someone is battling an addiction like porn, but 
even not only, not only that, but if they have, say, maybe trauma or abuse from their past, and that's informing their present right now, how do they move forward there, especially if, you know, in dealing with maybe somebody in their own life that maybe is still in their life that, that was part of that abuse or that trauma? And um, what do they do, mm. you know, when they're, you know, navigating those relationships? Yeah. Wow. Brad, and that's a... That's a, how many minutes do we have for the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, no joke, last night into my inbox, someone randomly found um, the messages that I preached on abuse and sent me a very, very long, very, very personal, very, very heartbreaking uh, email. Wow. So, you know, just seeing it up close, some of us have, some of us haven't, but it is such a complex paradigm perspective shifting thing that, I want to be real honest that there's no, there's no button to push. There's no single passage or book that any of us could write. I always think of some of our earliest experiences as, as kids, or maybe even our experiences sexually as like we're wet cement and whether something is imprinted on us, that's good and godly and biblical, or whether it's really foul and sinful and backwards, like whatever it is for better or worse, once that's imprinted on us and we start to mature and it kind of hardens a little bit to change that takes a whole bunch of work, not impossible work. You know, we worship the God who parted the red sea and made a virgin pregnant with his one and only son. Right. So we we have incredible hope, but really to approach that as sometimes we sin and sometimes sin is done to us, but that does really affect us. So just, you know, kind of having the marathon view, okay, what are some healthy things that I can do to start breaking up some of that cement and replanting new truth so that it can become my, my mindset and my default? Because man, if like, if someone sexually abused you when you're young to see sex in a biblical way as good and beautiful and from above like that, that's a huge shift. That's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. And it affects us so much more than we realize. And when you're abused, I mean, I was talking to somebody recently and I said, do you remember your abuse 40 years ago? Do you remember if you were told, keep this a secret, this is just between you and me? And he said, I don't know, but it was probably just understood. And mm-hmm. and that's how it is. I mean, whether it's said or not, which typically it's said, but but you develop this belief that, okay, whenever th- something's bad, I have shame, I've done something bad, something happened to me, I can't share, I can't, I can't talk mm-hmm. about it. And so mm-hmm. there's so much freedom in doing that, but it's easier to talk to somebody who wasn't your abuser. And so mm-hmm. when somebody has an abuser, which often is someone you know, right? It's, a, it's an uncle, a babysitter, or even closer. It could be a cousin or a brother. When it's that, how do you navigate that relationship? How do you bring that relationship to wholeness when there's so much pain there? Ooh, not without real repentance. Mm. Maybe we've softened a bit on that, kind of in our, you know, the cultural moments that we're in when I had a chance to preach these messages on abuse, just to see how much God hates abuse. Mm. Um, there's a, I think it's Psalm five. I might be quoting this wrong that like God, God hates those who do violence. So we're used to God. So love the world kind of stuff, <laughs> Right. but the father who sees when his sons and daughters are being damaged in such profound ways, how can he not hate those who are doing that to his own kids? And so there, there's hope for abusers. Um, the apostle Paul confessed that he was a violent man. He's the worst of sinners and yet God had mercy on him. Mm. But if we're going to talk about any kind of healing or reconciliation, it doesn't come with, well, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that stuff. I think a second Corinthians seven, where the apostle Paul says, you know, look at what alarm and longing 
and just this readiness to do whatever I have to do to prove my repentance. Mm. Like that's, that's godly sorrow that leads to salvation. And so, yeah, if, if you're the victim of abuse and like, you know, you want to forgive and you want to move on, but if that person isn't willing to own that and they just want to like brush past it, you know, let's forgive and let the past be the past. Like, no, 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 no. Mm. You're trying to build a, a new relationship on a broken foundation and sooner or later it's going to catch up to you. Right. Right. You know, so it really starts with the onus on the abuser recognizing that sin. We can forgive an abuser, but we can't reconcile with an abuser without their heartfelt godly sorrow and repentance. Right. So you're talking about kind of mending the bridges of building, moving towards reconciliation and repentance is needed to do that. So for those that are, say, maybe have been a victim of, of abuse and they're, they're the person, they're, the abuser is still in their life and they're not willing to do that but this person is maybe someone important in their life, maybe an aunt, an uncle, um, yep. could be someone close and trusted. What do you do then? If there's no repentance on the side of that other person, how do yep. you navigate that? Oof. Yeah, that's going to be different for everyone, depending on the level of the abuse. I mean, abuse is a spectrum, right? There's horrific, horrific stories I've heard. I mean, I personally know people who have been crucified by family members, physically crucified. Oh. So like that. Mm. And, and then there's still very serious, but you know, you're, you're dumb, you're stupid. You say it a couple of times like that. There's a pattern of behavior there. So the answer to that question might kind of depend on how, how traumatic, how bad, how torturous was it? Yeah. Um, But I would also say Jesus didn't hang out with everyone equally. Judas had to betray Jesus so that Jesus's enemies knew where he was going to be on Thursday night. And so I don't think there's an onus on a Christian to say, if someone's sinning against me, if they have evil intentions, if they're triggering me and traumatizing me, I don't have to do like go back and be best friends with them. Mm. Right. If they're not going to own that and that's going to be detrimental to my own healing. Yeah. I would just want to take the responsibility off of the victim, yeah. you know, and put that and put that load on the victimizer. So, you know, God willing, we, we reconcile and we come this glimpse of the gospel, but there's just some situations of in stubbornness that that can't happen not every little kid who's got an abusive parent can escape that easily. But when we're adults, we get to make some choices. And just like Jesus, we don't have to hang out with everyone. It was Christ like of him to draw boundaries between his friends and his enemies. Yeah. It's hard when there's a, there's a hope of a relationship, right? There's a hope of a relationship with somebody who, who hurt you, but they're not repentant. And so because of your pain, you're maybe wanting to push them away, but you're maybe even wanting to draw closer to them because there's this hope. Like if it's a brother, I just want to be close with my brother or a parent, I want to be close with them, but it's not happening. And so sometimes we can, we can just think they hurt me. I don't want to be close to them, but there's still that disappointment of the lack of relationship there that you got to deal with. And so I find sometimes that's under the surface where you, it's just masked by the pain. And so when somebody's maybe grieving this process, can you speak to this grieving process where someone has to to, to look at this relationship and the disappointment that's just not happening. They didn't, they're not getting that relationship with someone who's hurt them because there's not repentance, but yeah. naturally they should, like they would hear of other people who have a relationship with their parents or their brother and it's great. And then it's just mm-hmm. this constant digger. How, how does somebody handle that when there's no repentance? Yeah. Great question. Remember that passage in the book of Hebrews that because, because God's son took on flesh and blood, he can empathize with what we're going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, just think of how Jesus felt that exact thing. He, mm. he has come to his own, but his own did not receive him. Mm. He spit in the face, stripped naked, mocked by the religious leaders who are supposed to be like 
Yahweh's representatives on earth and here comes Yahweh right. and they abuse him. And so, yeah, th- there is a grief and brokenheartedness there. Um, I would, I would say instead of running back to an abusive situation to get hurt even more, run to the savior who's going to put his arm around your shoulder and say, I, I get it. I've physically felt that he's a wonderful counselor and a mighty comforter in moments like that. I, I think it's beautiful. I just want to jump in that you're saying to run to him. And a lot of people might take that and say, I'm going to run to him, but I'm not going to talk to talk about what happened because the pain is too great. But you got to bring that too, right? Like some one thing I always say, we're not made to escape. We're made to enter into his presence, but we're made like he wants us to bring our dirt and our pain into his presence. Right. And that's something that is so necessary. And Jesus, you know, he washes our feet. He gets his hand on our dirt his hands on our dirt and he wants us to be, to, to bring that to him. And there's yeah. a beauty in that. So I really appreciate you saying that. And, uh, you know, is there, is there a part of forgiveness where you would, you would encourage people to go face to face? Or do you think like forgiving somebody is something that is just done in private? You can, you can forgive and just move on if that person is not mm-hmm. repentant. Can you speak to just the power of forgiveness in your own life and in other people's lives? Yeah. So one of the more impactful sermon series we actually had to retitle it at first the title was just like f and then a bunch of asterisks after <laughs> <that is> forgiveness <laughs> we were talking about like forgiveness is pretty offensive when you think of it yeah, yeah. it's a total rejection of karma and payback it's like leaving it in god's hands which wow. just doesn't we like the action movie where the villain just gets like whooped in the end right right, right. right. so yeah your question do you do it face to face that I'm thinking once again of that spectrum of abuse where, you know, I've, I've just known people who are physically shaking at the thought of being in the same room as the person who's done that to them. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to give like a one size, you got to do face to face. To me, the word forgive in, in Greek means to send away. It's like, here's this desire to, to get you back, to bring justice down upon you. I'm going to send that away and, and leave it in the capable hands of the God of justice. Mm. So we might not be friends again, this relationship might be over. Maybe we can reconcile, maybe not, but it's not my job to try to make you hurt like you made me hurt. Hmm. So can you forgive face-to-face or at a distance? Absolutely. Hmm. Because forgiveness just means I'm gonna leave the stone alone. You chuck this at me, it hurt, I have the scar. I always picture, you know, your your sin is like a stone that hits me and now it's right at my feet so I can pick it up. Whew, now I can get you back. Hmm. Forgiveness is like, I'm going to leave that stone right there. Jesus left my stones alone. He didn't throw them back. Mm. So that that's his job, not mine. Good visual. Yeah, that's a great visual. I wanted to get your opinion on this too, Mike. So someone's in this place that we're talking about, discussing. Maybe their abuser is not repentant, and they're dealing with the wreckage, the aftermath, the hurt and the pain, however many years it's been. What importance does community play for someone who has been abused? Is there a part to play in that? Because I know for some people that have been abused, to trust somebody with this vulnerability is really, really hard because maybe they were vulnerable once as a child or whatever else and that was taken advantage of. So speak to that. You know, What part does community play? And how do you move into the community when you don't, you have a really hard time trusting people? Yeah, yeah, great question. There's that pat every fourth couple that wants to get married and have me preach, they always choose that Ecclesiastes passage, a cord of three strands. Yeah. Yep. You know, I feel like I just want to like pl- 
pull up the old sermon and change the names and just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. save myself some time. Right. You know, but if you look in the context, that's that's not necessarily a marriage passage. Right. 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 It's not. It's not in Ephesians five. It's in Ecclesiastes four. And so, yeah, what you're saying about community, some person is defenseless. You know, so to have two people back to back fighting against those old lies and you know things that were impressed upon us because of that sin so yeah it, it is messy it's complicated especially because as one of you mentioned abuse isn't happening with like mostly total strangers it's with people we thought were in our inner circle so th- that's going to be a process but well, whenever i'm talking about something controversial whether i'm you know preaching on suicide or sexuality or pornography or abuse the place i always love to start um i call it verbalize normalize demonize evangelize and strategize it's like if i don't verbalize this if if we don't talk about this in church or in our families or in our bible studies there's going to be tons of people who are just like that they're silently hearing a message that you're not intending to send Mm -hmm. right And, and the message is that people like you aren't really around here you don't really belong here yeah, we're, we're not all trauma counselors to be able to fix this, but I think what we all can do for those of us who lead small groups or, you know, write books or have websites or do podcasts, I mean, what you guys are doing, talking about it. Yeah, in, in the church, so many people have been through this and it doesn't make you weird or abnormal or broken. You're part of this. We, we all got something. You're, yours is a different something than my something. And it's 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 actually normalized. If if you've been abused, it's not just you. It's one out of, it's one out of three women, mm-hmm. at least in America. Right. If you struggle with pornography, right. You think like you're the only weirdo who looked at porn the night before church. Like, no, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) All right, guys on this side of church, you all stand up. All right. That's probably statistically what's happening. You know, so uh, I think the more we can create safe environments, the more we help with that community. You know, if a person is scared to trust again, the more I can speak as a leader to try to create an atmosphere where, yeah, this might not be your sin or struggle or something you've been through, but it happens here and we want you here and there's grace for you here. So I think that's a good way to take a small first step in the direction of community and trust. Yeah. Yeah. You got to verbalize. And then can you go through that process again, the five steps? Was it verbalize, then normalize, and then a few more? Uh, Yeah. So I I got him a a degree in preaching. And my uh, my doctoral project was preaching on pornography. Oh, cool! So, wow. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's really, it was a really bad acronym: VNDES. So, verbalize, normalize, demonize, evangelize, strategize. So, verbalize. I'm going to say it. Normalize it. I'm going to use maybe my story or statistics to let people know there's lots of us here. Demonize is going to talk about you know what's what's really bad and and broken and sinful about this. So, hey, you know maybe tons of, of guys and girls struggle with pornography, but here's why we can't stay there. You know, porn is a sin against your body and it grieves the Holy Spirit. Porn damages trust. Porn makes you feel guilty two seconds after. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm trying to build the case why a good God says this is a very bad thing. So that's demonize. Evangelize. I don't know enough about you guys, but I, I'm, I'm really. If this isn't part of you, maybe that's my big encouragement. Is like don't don't skimp on the gospel. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to get to the strategize. I need covenant eyes. I need an accountability partner. I'm going to read this book. Titus chapter two says it's the grace of God that teaches us to be self-controlled and to say no to worldly passions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it's not just going to be fear of my accountability partner, but a sincere love for God, I'm going to preach the, the evangel, the gospel as frequently as I can to people who've been through stuff. Yeah. So while well, cool. you feel too broken, 
Jesus' closest female friend once had seven demons in her. Mm-hmm. So you're you're good, or you think you're bad. Here's King David. Let me tell you his story. Here's Abraham. Let me tell you his story. Here's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul was murdering Christians. Like I can find an example to prove in the Bible that there is good news for your kind of sinner. So you put all five of those together, and that's kind of my check boxes when I'm talking about anything that's kind of touchy or controversial. Verbalize, normalize, demonize, evangelize, strategize. Cool. Cool. I love it. Yeah. You're joking about the people that that watch porn Saturday night think they're the only ones, but then you say you're a pastor with PhD or, or degree or in, in preaching you on porn. That's you probably are the only pastor <laughs> that, that got your degree in preaching on porn. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, never heard of any. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. you are alone there. Yeah. I got to tell you, I was at my graduation service. This was at a, a school outside of Chicago and they had in the program, like all the, uh, the titles of the dissertations, and it was like the theology of Jonathan Edwards from 17 something to 17 <laughs> yeah. in the area of Adiaphora and baptismal practice. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it was all like super right. level intellectual. And then Mike Navani preaching on porn. <laughs> it stuck out so bad. Oh, that's uh, so grandma. funny. Sorry, grandma. That's, uh, sorry, grandma. Exactly. Exactly. I remember I, I never wanted my parents to hear all of this, all of my story about pornography and I didn't want to traumatize them. And then our first the first conference brad and i run i'm i'm up there preaching i'm sharing i didn't plan on it i just go into sharing my testimony my parents are right there I'm like oh man sorry Front row seat. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brutal but uh but the oh. gospel is everything and that's uh i mean they're the people that come in uh, us mike you're saying you don't know much about us which uh, is true but from our perspective i always shared with people i'm like my goal is not to get you por- free of porn my goal is to get you rooted in your identity in christ and overwhelmed mm. with the love of the father and when that's yes. the, the case sin will cease in your life and you'll be so full of love peace joy and you're you're gonna make an impact just naturally and uh intimacy leads to fruit so yeah. It's cool. And so when you're in that process, a lot of times people are just trying to beat their head against, you know, a, a jail cell and, yeah. and, yeah. and try, try to get free of this. Right. But it's like, just turn around, like t- change your approach. The door's open. You can, you can escape the jail cell, right? Just change your approach mm-hmm. and seek the Lord. And so part of doing that is you need to have yeah. someone you can talk to the strategize, the last part, someone you can talk to about this stuff, whether it's abuse, addiction, whatever. And so as a pastor, I want to get your perspective on this because a lot of people will say, I don't have anybody. Like I literally don't have any friends or I know people, but there's no one I can trust. Are you open as a pastor or are other pastors open just to having random people walk in off the street, sit down, book a meeting, maybe right then, maybe tomorrow and just get things off their chest? Yeah. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but when someone is a you know guest at our church and comes in and like, I feel like I need to talk to somebody about this. I'm never like, I'm translating Ecclesiastes right now. Get out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, why, it's why we're here. I've been working on um, uh, learning Spanish and I just memorized um, Matthew nine where, you know, Jesus is exhausted and he, um, he sees the crowds who are like chasing him down and he had compassion on them. You know, he was busy, but when he saw, cause they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd, he had compassion on them. So for those of us who are under shepherds who are trying to imitate the good shepherd Jesus, yeah, maybe it's been a busy week, but if someone is really harassed by porn and they just they need someone to confess and who can give them the grace of God in return, for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I hope every local pastor and every Christian would say, yeah, it's a gift to confess mm. and give each other grace. So the more we can do that, 
Protestants sometimes swing away, you know, the, the Catholic thing made us nervous yeah, yeah. of confessing your sins to anyone God. And so we just internalized everything and then it exploded and messed up all of our lives. So yeah, recreating a culture where you can talk to your, your pastor, your Bible study leader, your fr Christian friends about sin seems, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen this besides the gospel. It has to be the number one yeah. game changer when it comes to porn, just not battling by yourself, but yeah. getting other people into the fight with you. Right. Absolutely. And I know there's a lot of people who I've heard this that are in the place where everything you described, they understand, they get, and they want. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that have no meaningful connection to others, or they don't really know how to identify who is a safe person to talk to, who is this in my life, my sphere of influence, my, my community around me. So what would you say to somebody to help them identify who they can talk to, whether it's they want to confess and get help with porn or deal with maybe the aftermath of abuse from their past? Yeah, good question. I'm the wrong guy to ask about this. So I'm, <laughs> two things have happened. I'm, I'm probably way too much of an oversharer. So I'll meet people at a gas station and they'll <laughs> somehow like porn addiction will come up yeah, yeah. while I'm buying a coffee. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very open and not cautious and, and by the grace of God that hasn't really burned me yet. Right. You know, so may, maybe I, I'd probably tell people to confess a lot and I'm a little bit naive of how much it can sting when that comes back to bite you. If someone's not trustworthy or if they're a gossip or if they're self-righteous and the relationship gets odd just because the way they're wired. So I, I think if I was going to be more cautious about it, I would say, you know, test the waters let's say you're in a group of friends or in a small group at church, you can kind of tell, right. Who's a little bit more humble enough to, to talk about their own stuff instead of like venting about if someone's asking for prayers because they're struggling with pride versus uh, give me patience for these jerks I work with. <laughs> right. Right. Humble people are great people to walk down the road of addiction with. Mm. Right. So if I'm, if I'm seeing a little bit of fruit of humility in someone's life, I'm kind of thinking like, Ooh, that could be the guy. And then there's no way around this. I always say that most of God's blessings are on the other side of awkward. So it's like, Hey, no matter who it is, yeah. <laughs> no matter how much, you know, they love you. It's still going to stink <laughs> to have to right. verbalize it, you know, to bring it up. So that's going to be an upward climb, but man, I mean, that, that's really a turning point in my story of when I stopped just memorizing more Bible passages about sexual purity. And I took the plunge and I said it to a friend many, right. many years ago and like, yep, it was awkward. Yeah. And then he said me too. And then he gave me grace and then things started to change. Yeah. So yeah, the other side of awkward are some really, really great blessings. That's great. I'm going to write that down. That's, mm. that's a really good phrase. That's like gold. It. That's yeah. gold. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. We, we have something in our ministry called the cleansing hour, Mike, and all the cleansing hour is, it's funny because one of our other coaches that does it, he's like, this is like Catholic confession. So it's funny that you're saying that, but it, it's not, it's way more than that. But basically cleansing hour is somebody comes on zoom and they spend an hour with us and we lead them. We have a, a, a way of leading them to get everything out, just get everything off their chest. Uh, not only it's the sins that they've done, but also what's happened to them, but also the shame, the heart beliefs, the things that maybe they never even recognize that they have to talk about and they get that out. And just to affirm what you're saying, 
it's funny because everybody comes in so nervous and like often they're like for hours I've been nervous all day I've been nervous thinking about this because it's terrifying talking about your junk because who does it yep. we don't do that normal day to day unless you're in a position like we are and we do <laughs> we do we do, do it for do, a living yeah. exactly. people are like how do you do yeah. that yeah. but but people feel so light at the end like every person like oh I feel so light yeah. at the end I remember the first time I ever told somebody about about pornography it was a girlfriend and the next day I was walking around the university here and I was like man I feel like I'm a million pounds lighter like I felt like I was floating just so light and so I really want to encourage you if you're listening out there and you got something that you haven't told anybody we want you to share that with somebody if you need to do a cleansing hour go to our go to restoredministries.ca and book a cleansing hour if you need if you can just find someone in your life that you trust like Mike's talking about they're humble you can see that humility in them man go talk go talk to that person if you don't have anybody Go talk to a pastor. Go go find a church. And that's why I was asking that question. Just because a lot of people that feel alone, they're like, I don't have anybody. But you can always find somebody. And so there's there's hope in that. There's hope in in uh, in whatever the abuse is that you've suffered, the addiction that you have. Even if somebody's not treating you in the way that you want, you can still take ownership and and heal with the Lord. And go to the Lord and have your heart be healed and take ownership in that. So, Mike, this is really good. And I'd love for you to just wrap up with some closing thoughts and then I'll also uh, just share where people can find some resources that that you've put together that might help. Yeah, thanks for that. I'll do the the last one first because it's the lesser of the two importants. Yeah, so timeofgrace.org is the website for the ministry. So uh, my book, Sex Expectations or Sex is Complicated, you can find there. How to Heal is a book we wrote about abuse based on those um, series. I, I believe that's the one where I took all the feedback that I got after preaching those messages kind of anonymously and put it into the books. So if you want to see what happened when a pastor preached to the abused, to the abusers one whole week, and then to the church that's filled with both, like what did people say about that? Oh, cool. So that's kind of what the book is based on. It's called how to heal. So you can find that and a whole bunch of the resources at timeofgrace.org. Yeah. And now closing thoughts, man, I'll leave you with this one. The consequences of confession are always less right? No one can make a guarantee that a confession will be easy or it'll go perfectly or people will handle your, your story in a, a perfectly godly way, right? Stuff happens. That's the world. But Matt, the point you just made, the consequences of not confessing, of like carrying this load on your shoulders for the next month or year or decade, there is a reason that God says, in James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Mm-hmm. So cool. you can be forgiven without telling anyone else. Keep that between you and Jesus. But if you really want healing, this is God's design. Those who conceal their drama will not prosper. Proverbs 28, 13 says, but those who confess it and renounce it, find mercy. So I want to, I want to back up your big push. Like listening to this podcast, I hope it's been great. It probably won't heal you if the conversation ends after this podcast is over. Mm, But if this becomes God's way of just just nudging you, of just pushing you up that hill to get to the other side of awkward, then I think all three of us would be pretty grateful that, that God could heal you in that way. Absolutely. Great words, Mike. And we really appreciate you, appreciate all that you're doing and having this uh, moment with us to to just share. So thank you. And um, we hope that you were blessed out there listening. 
really appreciate all of you and your support. And we thank you for journeying with us. And we hope that these podcasts are helping you and get the word out there. We want people to have life transformation, not just behavior modification in their life. Um, and we think that that's the answer to that is Jesus. So if we can get the word out for, for these, we appreciate that greatly. So thank you. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.